I'm Jakob Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about endpoint of workstation virtualization. We're chatting about what uh, EPV is, what the benefits are to implement, and what the potential pitfalls can be. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clearer idea of how EPV can benefit your business. I'm joined by Andy Brower from EntureCloud. Andy, welcome. Good morning. Okay. Thank you. Um, so we always start the, the show by just uh, just give us a little bit of uh, background and who you are. Well, so I suppose I'm a, a mad hatter that uh, loves technology. Um, I'm getting a bit old now, but I still love the technology. I used to be the CTO for Business Connection for quite a few years. I worked for Anglo-American for many years. Um, I worked for various software companies as well, did a lot of software development. And uh, currently I'm uh, helping uh, IntroCloud with a new South African-based cloud offering, which we can go, which we can go global with. And that's, um, and then in your spare time, you, you do some weird energy stuff. Yes, that's the hydrogen fuel cell I've been busy with, with the group of professors in Europe for a couple of years now. And uh, hopefully we get this off the ground pretty soon now. Especially where we are in South Africa from that perspective. So, um, Andy, let's jump right in. Um, when you and I uh, last chatted, you showed me some really, really interesting cloud technologies. Um, and I think for me, the, the, the first question is that, that piqued my interest is a lot of people are talking about virtualization. And I think when we think about it, we think specifically about servers, but you, you can also uh, virtualize workstations. Yes, I think having been around the block for many years, one knows that virtualization has been around since the 70s, in fact, slightly before that. And uh, I suppose the, the first persons or companies that used to start looking at the endpoint virtualization would be in a company called Citrix, okay. um, as one goes back in history. And now we start seeing the evolution of of words, which uh, the, the IT industry is like the fashion industry. They, they keep recreating new words and meaning old things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that saying. So one has, to be, one has to be very careful about the wording that you read and make sure that what you're buying or what you're looking for is actually um, getting to the point of, of the, the solution. I think when you, you, you mentioned about server virtualization, yes, I think VMware – was actually the, the company that made virtualization very popular. But prior to that, there was something called uh, VDC's component, and there's a, a few other companies that started doing VNC, as an example, that started doing an abstraction of, of a desktop for you. And this is where the whole thing started morphing into being able to see what you can virtualize and what you can't. Most things can be virtualized, Bigger databases, not a good idea to, to virtualize them. The closer they are to bare metal, but that said, the new virtualization technologies are coming along in leaps and bounds. So, so I, if we had to talk endpoint virtualization or workstation virtualization, um, how does that work? So, 
there's there's two ways that one can look at that. People talk about endpoint and desktop virtualization and that. The one is your desktop itself, the equipment that you've got, that portion gets virtualized so that you can move that portion, your laptop as an example, you can move that virtual instance onto another laptop without having to reinstall it. That's the one way of looking at it. Okay. The other way of looking at it is where are you connecting to? So your desktop, is it running off a client-server model, which means you still need the server? So the easy way to test if you've got something that's working for you is to switch off the server and say, can I still work? Because that's where the problem comes in. Okay. So the endpoint virtualization is actually morphed off a normal laptop into a cell phone as well, into the tablets. So one needs to see what dynamic happened with that. And then the dynamics that happened with that is, can you work offline? Especially in these days. Yes. So also now with COVID, can you work offline? And that also brought a leaps and bounds of, of the technology changing and morphing quite a bit. But, but yes, can you work from anywhere? And can you work offline? And then, and then, um, if I think about uh, what you showed me there, uh, within a matter of, uh, I almost want to say seconds, but let's say maybe a, a minute or two, you had a fully fledged uh, workstation environment that you just spinned up, and I could connect to that with anything. Um, it can be a tablet, it can be a, a dumb terminal, and that. Um, how, how do I say the, the, the processing component sat somewhere in a cloud and I didn't have to buy an expensive laptop or anything like that? that that's correct. So when we start looking at ways that the technology is, is morphing in the world, really everything that people talk about clarifying systems, what they're really saying is it runs on a web server. That's what clarify really means or should mean. And, and Otherwise, then, you've got legacy yeah. stuff in the background. And, and then when, but, when we look at, at uh, why would companies uh, look or consider at, at uh, virtualizing their endpoints? What's the benefits? So the first thing is, what is the business requirement? What are you trying to achieve? So let's take COVID as an example. People can't work from the office. They need to work from home. That is one of the drivers. The other one is cost. So one always looks for the functionality, what is the business driver, and then you look at the associated cost. And once you've balanced those two uh, and you've identified those problems, then you can come up with a solution. Too many times IT sells solutions without understanding what the problem is. So it's always good to have the problem definition as a base and you move forward from there. I, I, uh, that, yeah, I mean, that's just experience talking there. I, I love what you just said there now. Um, so if I had to take an example in, I think in, in most of the SME businesses that we, that we encounter, if I, I can even take Catalytic as a, as an example for ourselves, the, the bulk of, of the work that we do is, is online in uh, let's call it a centralized CRM portal. So if I had to look at it and say, but why do I uh, end up buying a, a you know, a 
high-powered laptop for every employee that works there when the interface, uh, everything that they need to do is basically in a, in a web browser. And then you have the problem of uh, peop- uh, you, you know, laptops uh, getting stolen or, or lost or, or whatever the, the story is. So um, if uh, if – uh, if if I had to think about it logically, and I say, what's the reason why we have all of this processing power at a at a at a workstation level, when all of that processing power theoretically can or should be sitting in the in the cloud? Is is that a a, a, a realistic way of looking at things? I think the, the, what you're really standing on and basing what you're saying on is really the economics of how people were pushing uh, the the machines. So. There used to be big mainframes, and that did all the processing. Then people moved everything out, and everybody had a PC. Then they put it in cloud, and everything moved back to the cloud. Now we're smartening up the browsers, and we're moving everything sort of into a meshed environment as opposed to client-server because the, the, the centralization, decentralization is one thing, but having a meshed environment is actually where we need to go from a – Network survivability perspective, having more than one route to get somewhere and more than one route to get to your servers and, and your clients. Okay. Okay. I like, I like the way you, you say that. Um, and then I, I guess if we, if we look at, uh, the, uh, I don't want to call it the lack of uptake, but, but, um, uh, you know, what, there can be potential pitfalls that will stop people from going this this workstation virtualization route. Yes, I, I think the, just to get back to that point that I made just now, what is the problem that you're trying to solve? And then, you, you, you know, you can identify that. And then you've got the justification for moving forward. But there's some interesting things that happen in IT, and I think some of the IT people are going to get very upset or embarrassed what I'm going to say next. Yeah. It is that... Because they are used to using something and they don't want to learn something new, anything new that comes across their path, they kick against. So you get a business walking to IT saying, we need to do this. And now the IT guys feel threatened and say, no, that's rubbish. We can't do that. That is the problem. 100%. I agree with you. that's why there's slow uptake. Because business looks at the, the outcome and they look at the costs. So that's why business is putting so much pressure on IT and they're saying that IT CIOs need to be part of the business and that's what, what is actually happening. Uh, stop the, stop thinking just IT, think it from a business perspective and then you move forward a lot quicker. I, I like what you're saying. Now, I, I always refer to that as uh, technology religion because um, over and above the the IT component, then you then there's also a brand specificity that you go. If you if it's not this, then don't even talk to me about it because that's it's worked for me once, and that's the, the horse that I'm backing. And I suppose in South Africa, and maybe not unique to South Africa, but corruption also has probably played a big part in in not moving away from certain technologies and certain partners. Okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, and, sure. and do you it think comes down to governance? Do you think that uh, um, IT might also be resistant to introduce um, new technologies because users don't really want to learn new stuff? Uh, do you think that change management is a is a big problem? Well, change management uh, is quite an interesting concept. Uh, change management is sort of a, a dying. A dying control uh, because of the DevOps concept. You've developed it, you make it operate. 
So you are sure that when you put something into production, you're not pointing fingers. It's one responsibility. Because change control also never always understood what people were changing. Yes. So now if you have a a flow of business, uh, we want to do some pricing changes because we've got a new sale tomorrow. Those those things have to happen very quickly, near real time. So that dynamic of, of change control, yes, it needs to be there, but not as rigid as what it used to be. And used to has to be a lot more agile going forward. Yeah. So, so, so if I now if I now come back to the to the business motivation. So, like I said, if I think about all of the the uh, endpoints that that we procure and and all of the potential processing power that sits there, but eighty um, percent um, of the of the business is is sort of uh, office hours driven and admin driven. Um, uh, where would I start? How, how would I work out if if this endpoint virtualization can can work for my business? Okay, so, what challenges do you have in your business at the moment? I think just trying to identify what challenges you currently have. If we do look at, and we take COVID again as an example, the challenges were people couldn't work remotely, or some people couldn't work remotely. They couldn't get to the server. We've got power outages. We have all these other challenges which need to be overcome. So when you look at all the challenges and the problems you have, then you start saying, well, all right, what we need to do is how can we save costs? Because now we have to pay for people's networks at home and power units and all these things. So cost is a big factor, but how can we do this more cost effectively? That is where part of the stuff that that we're talking about now is is this very thin client, which is a browser. A browser is available on every machine. So by exploiting the browser and putting some functionality into that code so that you can edit a Word document as well, as an example, even in an offline mode, and it can be synchronized when you get back online. That's part of the functionality which one needs to to have available. That, that's sort of like uh, what you showed me when uh, when I saw you the last time. That's correct. I mean, the, the, so the it, ease of use there was just so so. So for me, if I if I think specifically in a small to medium enterprise, um, like you say, cost is one thing. Um, control and then and then there's also uh, let's call it the, the the friction. You know, like like it takes long um, for um, for IT to resolve problems or um, uh, you, you know, get things uh, uh, standardized or fixed and all that type of stuff. So, in my mind, if I if I think about what you showed there, how instant it is, I, I didn't have to wait for any hardware to arrive or anything like that. It was just like it was like like magic almost. Yes, and that's also it's, it's basically becomes down to a. I used to call it Webos, which uh, was a web operating system which did belong to Yellow Packard at one stage. I think. LG bought that eventually. Really wants looking at what we're calling a web operating system, right from the ground up and building on top of that. And, and uh, the interesting topic we're using today is, is this endpoint virtualization. But now, if you think of Docker that people are using, yeah. Docker is sort of a mini container, which is an instance of virtualization, which you can bounce around anywhere where you would like it. And now all of a sudden, this whole world changes. So, so 
Um, and and that's interesting for me now. So so if I'm now um, and and uh, you know in, in in our catalytic world we primarily uh, deal with a small to medium enterprise uh, business. My example that I use on the on the show is always is I've got a accounting business. I, I do outsourced accounting for my customers. Uh, I understand accounting and costs. I don't I don't understand any of the technology things. How do I even know where to start? So I always start with a problem statement. So. You've got, you want to run your financial packages in various areas. You want to make sure that this is synchronized because you've got more than one customer and you've got one central database, I assume. So you want to have this stuff synchronized. So the things to watch out for is their connectivity, is their functionality, and how, how can we keep the operation running? That's really the, the key word. This whole virtualization world is about keeping functionality and your business running i love that so being able flexible moving the stuff around that's what we're really aiming for so we can use all the words but you want to keep the business running because we live in a real-time world and then um uh, is it uh, so so when we've identified the, the problem statement and um you know we 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 there is a, a solution on the table is it is it a is it a risky move, or can I dip my toe in the water and sort of get a feel for it before I before I commit in its entirety? One should always dip your toe in the water with IT. So you you would go through what they call a, a proof of concept, but I really like calling it a proof of value. Proof Show of value. the value, because concepts have been proven. It you know the concept was proved in the lab when they built this stuff. Yeah, but come and prove value to me as a business. And then I can use it. So once you see the value, of course, you'll move forward with it. Uh, and I, I love that. I mean, proof of value. I think um, for any of any of our uh, business uh, listeners uh, today, I mean, that's fundamentally what it boils down to is, is um, I don't want to take too much risk. And if I understand the value, then it's easy to make a decision. Um, so if somebody listened to the show today and they want to know more, um, can, can, uh, they can contact you um, to, to have a discussion and, and explore the, this proof of value that you're talking about? I'm more than welcome to do that. Okay, excellent. We're gonna, we'll put up the, uh, what's the best place to get all of you, Andy? I suppose. And Andy, we've yeah, I think we've just lost you there now. Um, so we'll put up all of those details when we when we publish the podcast um, later today. And then um, I can honestly say I've I've seen it with my own eyes um, recently. And um, in in my life, uh, you know, when you can demonstrate that that value and and uh, you can see the simplicity with your own eyes, uh, it's it's really something to behold. And I think there's there's a lot of IT people that's gonna that's gonna have to scratch their heads and and come out of their comfort zones quite dramatically because um, I think that, I think there's some real business value there. Andy, thank you very much. Thank I really you, appreciate it. Thank you, Yaku. And thank you, audience, for listening. 
Thanks for listening to Unbundled, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions for your business. Remember that you can listen to all of the episodes on the Cliff Central Apple website, and for added convenience, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you're looking for help with uh, communications tools for your business, please uh, visit catalytic.co.za. Cliffcentral.com